This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and I'm sad to say for all our Gavin DeGraw fans, we do not have Gavin DeGraw with us today. We also do not have Rick, Ryan, or Dimitri, and I know all two of Ryan's fans are going to be disappointed that he's not here. But for you guys, for everybody listening at home, we do have a super special guest with us today. I am going to anoint him with co-hosting privileges in lieu of absence. And I will dare to say that this man is, with no disrespect to any previous guest, this is probably the most handsome man we have ever had (laughs) on this show. So... Unfortunately, it's a podcast, but we're doing this call by Zoom, and I want to introduce you guys to Mr. Eric Winter. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Thank you for that intro. That was uh, that was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I dude. I feel like I must know how men think. This is great. I, I'm <laughs> happy to bring some knowledge. <laughs> well, this, that's any for any of the, the females that know you that know the name Eric Winter, know you as a model, know you as uh, an actor. Um, they know, they, they're probably thinking, if this was how women think, they'd be probably saying, you are the most handsome man. <laughs> um, but I'll just echo that statement and say that you're probably the most handsome man we have ever had on this show. So um, you started your career. I want to dig into your career a little bit. You started your career as a model, correct? I did. I did. I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, believe it or not, I wanted to be a, a, a doctor. I was a pre-med student at UCLA. Really? And, uh, yeah. Started dating this girl who was working on this TV show, Clueless, that used to be around. Not the movie. After the movie, there was a TV show. Okay, yeah. And yeah. Uh, she was like a recurring on there. And she had, we met uh, and she said, why aren't you modeling or acting or doing anything? I said, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm pursuing to be a doctor. She was like, give me some pictures of yourself. I want to submit them to some friends of mine and see if they can help you out. And I was like, uh, okay. So I'm, you know, standing in my backyard in underwear, like in front of an old shed, taking yes. pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and I... That I send her, and I got lucky enough to get uh, a manager who then got me an agent fairly quickly, and um, it started to become a profession. Uh, within like a year, I booked a Tommy Hilfiger campaign, and then it became a job. Yeah, at that point, right on. I didn't become a doctor. I never became I, a doctor. And then all of a sudden, you're doing pictures with Britney Spears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not a bad gig, my man. No, man. It evolved from there. Yeah, I went from acting to commercials, and then. Uh, I got like an, a big acting break doing a soap opera, Days of Our Lives, for one contract, which was a few years. Yeah. And then I've hopped all over, you know, film and television and, and uh, currently doing the show The Rookie on ABC. That's been great. Yeah. Right on. And then also in The Good Doctor. So did some of yeah. you, did you get to fulfill like some of your just uh, missed out on dreams by by that, like acting in that series? Believe it or not, I've played a doctor like five or six times. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, the best fake doctor out there. Dude, um, do a do a catch me if you can. Go into some hospital, and I actually don't advise this because you know, out of respect for the medical profession. But like, you could probably pull off a catch me if you can, where he goes in and acts like a doctor, even though he has no certifications for it. It's it's funny. It's funny how I was able to fulfill that aspect of my life, you know, hypothetically. Um, right. And it, it's been it's been cool, man. I've been very fortunate. Um, what do you, which one do you enjoy more, the modeling side of it or the acting side of it? You know, the one thing about modeling that was for me always the most fun is I'm, I love to travel. 
So okay. modeling gave me like a free ticket to travel all over the world. And, and yeah. it was something, you know, it, it always felt so, I don't know, like, oh, you're a model. And it was like, ah, I hate using, the, you know, just the sound of it. But it was fun to sort of be out there, meet all these different people. I mean, living in Europe for six months, you know, chunks at a time and just hopping on trains and jumping all over in between jobs. So for me, it gave me the best opportunity in the world to travel. It, it made it very difficult for school. I had to drop out of school and then go back to school to finish. Because um, being, a, um, I was a psychobiology major. And so being on the biology side of it, you know, you have these lab practicums and these things and you go to the teacher and say, hey, I got to go do a photo shoot in Sardinia. Uh, is it okay if I just miss this test and I'll come back and make it up? And she'd be like, <laughs> no, you're not going to roll around. But I said, but I rolled around with some girl on the beach in Sardinia. Come on. Yeah. She's just, so. that teacher's just like, only if you bring me. Um, that is, I agree with you though. Any profession, like I was a professional athlete, professional hockey player, any profession yeah. that provides you travel is, that's such a blessing. Like we get to do what we love, get to do something that you really enjoy, but then the added benefit of traveling and seeing different cities, cultures, totally. countries, it's such a blessing. So especially at that time in life, you know, I'm in my twenties. It's it was amazing to sort of be free and just jumping all over the place and in places I never thought I would go in my life. You, you know, modeling will take you to random locations. Do you have like your go-to pose and your go-to look? Do you still have a move? Teach I mean, there's me. always a good catalog. You know, just hands in the pocket. Ah, look at that. <laughs> looking down. We we have with our we have with us. You guys can't see it because you guys are listening in your cars, or whatever. But we have with us producer Tori, and Tori just melted there when Eric went into these two. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's blushing. You, you you have like a repertoire. You know, it's funny. You went to the and it's a standard joke. When you especially do catalog shoots because you're just standing in front of a camera and then it's click 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 click, yeah. and you're just wearing the same thing. And, and you're just jumping different poses. So you always have like your one, two hand in the pocket, look down, look up, look to the side, smile, grin, serious. And you just rotate these looks. It's so shallow. Dude, terrible. I, I never know what I'm doing when I have to do like a red carpet and they're like, stand, like, I'm like, stand here and take a photo. I'm like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Gavin, Gavin DeGraw always does this one. He shoots the gun. He points. He, the gun. <laughs> he puts the finger out. And he shoots, and then it's just like me laughing at Gavin. We're both insanely awkward. Not sure why we're why we're on this car, but just take a photo of us as we walk by. But I always find it weird when, um, and you probably get this a lot when somebody's like, "Can I take a photo of you?" And it's not, "Can I take a photo with you?" It's a yeah. photo of you, and you're like. Um, what? You just want to take a photo of me. What am I supposed to do here? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, you get in the picture. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so worth, one thing that drives me mad, and I, and I get it, but like you get like fans that will come up to you and they're like, wow, where do I know you from? I'm like, <laughs> well, if you don't know, then <laughs> what's the point of having this conversation? <laughs> I can't go through a resume of things where you might know me from somewhere. Oh, man. We get a picture of you. I know I know you from somewhere. I guess you don't. I guess you don't. And they but just, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. And I said, they just want the photo anyway. They're just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll come to me sometime, and then I'll upload it. And I got a picture with that guy. But you get uh, that with sports too, because I mean, I'm a the funny funny thing with me is I was never, and even being in this business as uh, an actor, I don't get starstruck very often with 
actors. With athletes, that's like my jam because I'm a frustrated. I mean, I played sports my whole life, but I obviously didn't go pro. That wasn't you know my destiny to go that far. But for me, meeting athletes was always like my big, oh my god, that's so and so. That's you know that. So you know you deal with the same thing all the time, and it's you know people are like oh I love you for this this you know whatever you know team you're playing on the time or whatever the thing is in, in hockey and it's an awkward and uncomfortable but flattering thing all at once. Yeah. You're doing what you love. Yeah. These people are obsessed with you. Yeah, dude. As a as an athlete, I like fanboy over musicians. Oh really? That's my like I. That's funny. I love musicians like just. I think they're so talented and just, I love music so much. Music is just, it's, it's in my soul. And I play piano, I play drums, I play guitar. Not well enough to be in a band in any of those, but I just, I really enjoy those as pastimes. Um, and so every athlete wants to be a musician and every musician that I've got to know over the years is like, oh man, I'd rather be an athlete. What you guys do is so cool. I'm like, come on, man. We both perform in sold out arenas, but nobody hits you guys. You know, like yeah, 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 yeah. you don't get beat up every night and you get people cheering your name all the time versus half the time we're playing in away arenas and I'm getting booed all night. I was like, yeah. I would rather be a musician. Um, but I also uh, think the musicians and, I, and one thing I've always thought is like that has to be the ultimate platform in a way. Like if you are on stage, you know, 80,000 people or something just singing your song yeah. that you wrote and they're all looking at you and you're a solo act. I mean, that rush of adrenaline of taking a step back and being outside your body and going, wow, I accomplished this. That's pretty wild as then, a musician. Yeah, and what I, what I like about that profession too, if you look at it on the macro, is you can be a musician the rest of your life. Like one thing that I really miss being on the retired side of professional sport is walking into a stadium of like jumping on the ice with 20,000 people screaming. Yeah. Like I miss, I miss this, the, the magnitude of a stadium feeling and everybody focused on what you're doing on the ice. And as a musician, you can do that through your athletes. We're probably done in our thirties, most of us um, and late thirties, if you're lucky. And then, but a musician can do it forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, like, and, and that is just such a gift to be able to do that. Um, do you take up, since you, since you've stopped sports, have you taken up other sports like you do? You know, so many athletes take to golf for it. I like it's like the hardest sport for every athlete that they yeah. want to accomplish, you know, golf. Do you have a thing that you do? I've, I've taken, uh, yeah, I've taken up CrossFit more seriously. Oh, cool. Because I've always loved the, I've always loved the physical aspect of hockey and physical training. I've always loved it. It's been a part of my life since I was 13. And so I need that in my, like for my soul to be expressed. I need that intense physical activity and challenge. And I also just believe in a healthy lifestyle, but yep. I love CrossFit because it's every sort of movement there is. You're going to do powerlifting, you're going to do Olympic lifting, you're going to do endurance, you're going to do speed, you're going to do gymnastics, walk on your hand, pull-ups, muscle-ups, like it's, it's touching on every component of fitness, not just strength or not just endurance. And so I love the variety of it all. The, I love the pursuit of what the human body can do. And the variety within CrossFit is the best that I've ever found. And that's why I've fallen in love with that sport. So kind of heavy right. into that and I love it. Um, but I, I will say um, I am jealous of those 
who can model and those who can act, dude. Because, because truthfully, if you ask somebody to model or to take a photo, it's very difficult. What I was just speaking about, I was like, I don't even know how to stand. But even, even further to that, acting is one of the, I think, one of the absolute most difficult professions there are to be able to convey. When I think about it, if I'm going to act, the reason I don't act is because I, one, I can't, but also two, like, I don't know how to get outside of being myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to mentally put myself into this mindset and mind frame of being somebody else and then conveying beliefs and thoughts and emotions as that person when I'm not that person, which is what actors and actresses do. And so I tip my cap to you guys, my friend. Did you have that natural sort of acting ability as a, in your youth or did you have to develop that as you got older? I, it was more of a, you know, I always think with any profession, when it gets into like a professional level, there's like a gift that you have, whether it's been tapped yeah. or untapped at whatever point in your life, right? Like for a pro athlete to make it that far, you had it in you. It's just a matter of when it was tapped and it expressed itself and came out and you fulfilled it and you nailed it. So I think I've had aspects of it in my life, but I wasn't pursuing it through high school or I was never in drama. I was never chasing after it as a dream. Like with my wife, that was what she wanted to do her whole life. She knew dancer, performer, her whole life. Um, so I was an athlete. I played sports, my whole, did all that started taking drama in college just for fun, like an elective, just, I needed, needed an elective. That was it. And as I got started modeling, I said, you know what? I want to, I started reading acting books. You start meeting different people who are doing commercials and doing this and that. I said, I want to start studying acting books, looking at those. And I started taking various classes. And the hardest part is getting out of your your own head and getting in your way, right? Like trying to clear your mind and ignore everybody that's staring at you. I mean, why I would think theater is one of the most difficult Mm. Um, of all the acting practices because everybody's looking at you and it's live and if you it's yeah. on you there's no yeah. take two there's nothing right yeah much larger crowd than on a set and uh i remember going through a couple acting classes and being in one in particular where i had like this really heavy sort of scene with this girl and it was like an early acting class and she had been in it longer and was more free with everything and we're having this makeout session on the couch which was also weird in front of a lot of people you don't know and we're making out on the couch she pulls my shirt up and she starts biting on my nipples. I'm going, what the, like, how is this happening? And in my mind, I'm going, get out of your head, get out of your head. Just keep acting, just keep acting. But I'm going, everybody in class is staring at her biting on my nipples. So <laughs> that was one of my first experiences. I'm going, okay, if you want to do this, you better start to you know, remove yourself from the process. Man, I don't even know. Yeah, how do you do that? Like, how do you even separate? <laughs> how do you separate mind from body in that? Or I don't know. It's just uh, it's super weird when you start enjoying it. You're like, well, this girl's kind of hot, and she's biting on my nipples, but everybody's watching me right now. So this is even also weirder. So you're trying to like, and if you're not into it a little bit, then it's then you can tell you're acting right. So you kind of <laughs> got to be into it. <laughs> oh man, um, it is a true man. It is a true art, though. Like, but some of the performances you see and most of us are probably watching more TV now than, than we have in a while. But um, I credit you guys and because you you're able to convey and make us believe that what is going on is real and true in your life yeah. as a performer and being able to translate that, like you said, I think it's maybe easier to translate that live 
in theater is maybe easy, but you guys translate it through digitally through a screen, which I think is even more difficult too. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know, just kudos to you, man. I, I, I have a mad Thank respect you. for anybody, any honestly, truthfully, any model or anybody that can act because those are very, very difficult um, professions. What is your favorite, what, what's your favorite part about it? The adrenaline rush you definitely get when you're getting into a character and putting that character on its feet and you're in the performance, that adrenaline that can build up in, in certain roles is, is the best part about acting. There's no question when you are becoming that character in those moments and you're in, when you're fully in a scene and, and there's like a thing I call like, you, just, you know, when it clicks, like when it clicks in your mind and you're out of what you, how you think and you're out of yeah. the environment and you're in that feeling is an incredible feeling. So um, but, can I ask you a question along with that? So that, because that for me, I agree with everything you're saying and I understand it, but I, I don't, I'm not able to make that connection. Like for me personally, um, like, if like I, an athlete, it'd be like, if you're in the zone, like yes. if you're in the zone as an athlete and you know, like you're on fire, like whatever you're doing that, that, that game, you're, you're stopping everybody. You're doing this, you're hitting that goal, you're hitting whatever. You, when you're in a zone and obviously you can have off days and you, like an actor, you can have better performances and worse performances. And the difference is, is we get saved by an editor who can cut it together and make it still look great. Yeah. You know, it's a flow that's, state. That's what I say. We say it's a flow state. It's which, like that. Yeah. Same thing. So, but what I want to ask you is how, how do you make it, how does it become so important to you to tell this other story? That's the part where it's a disconnect for me. I think that's the one of the reasons why I won't ever be an actor is I don't have the desire to tell another story aside from my own. And maybe I'm a selfish human being in that regard, or I just like living my own story. But what I respect and admire about you guys is you have the unselfish desire to tell the story of another being. Mm -hmm. And it looks like you, but it's not actually technically your life, but you are doing the work. And so I just want to understand if you can, Eric, like why that's so important to you to tell this story of this character. You know? So there's, there's like twofold answer to that. There are those characters where it's a personal challenge and the escape mm. from yourself is really fun. So for example, the role I'm really? doing now in this show, The Rookie, it's unlike a role I've, I, I'm not, it's not a role I would normally get. It's, it's the character is very far removed from my personality, my type of person, everything. And to the point that I had worked with these people before, the pilot director and the producing, you know, the producers, and they didn't think I was right for the role. They're like, you're too nice. You're too nice yeah. of a guy. Like you're a good guy and you're not this guy. This guy is an asshole. And I'm like, mother, I'm like, guys, it's acting. <laughs> I can play this role. Like this is a challenge. This is what I want. So being able to, hone in and make that character for myself and develop it and, you know, build it out and play this guy that's so far removed from who I am. Yep. Not necessarily a guy's life that I admire, you know, admire, so to speak, but something that's so removed from me, I was able to go do that and be something I'm not and push myself to the nth degree. And it paid off. And it was like that personal challenge is what made it so cool for me. That would be one reason to tell that story. Right. And then the other op, the other thing is you come across scripts or you come across material where you either totally relate to that person as an individual, or you don't 
have any idea what they've gone through with their struggles in their life. And you're like, that is something I would love to share with a bigger audience because that is so, it's so compelling, right? It's so cool to know that that's something I can share. Dude, that's, that's amazing. I, I see it. Like I, I wanted to ask you that cause I wanted you to like sort of change or help me change my perspective on, on that. But that both of those are amazing. My question to you is, do you, do you find with the first one, you're playing a character that you don't, that isn't naturally you, you don't agree even possibly with this character. Do you find any sort of natural conflict with yourself? Like, Ooh, I'm really not proud of this. Like what if your character had to, you know, had to commit a crime or do something completely foul that you were just, you just in your real life vehemently against. But then yeah, in your career, you go and you portray that. Is there any internal conflict with that? Like with my current character, there has been, there have been moments where it's not, it's, it's nothing that I would say, it, it would be more of like fun to try and act the way he's acting. Now, it's not, it's not anything I've been super against, but for example, I had to, I read recently for this, uh, a Ted Bundy movie. Yeah. And this is a guy like everything in the material was horrific. And I have, you know, two kids and I have a daughter and I'm reading everything. And there was a moment where I was like, I just can't even go in for this. I, I can't, I don't think I can muster it in myself to try and portray this guy. But then there was the actor side of me, but I also like to say like the athlete side of me that makes me want to challenge myself and be like, no, 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 you can do it. You can do it. You know, it's acting, it's acting. Get into that place of where you need to be in order to tell this guy's broken life and his struggles, even though I have you know, zero compassion for the, the human being uh, that he was, but like trying to dig it and create it Wow. And it was weird. It was scary in a way because you're going down this path of being super uncomfortable. And then, yeah. And then, and then also your wife will watch it. Your kids at some day will see it. Your mom might see it. Friends will see it and they'll see you like visually they'll see the person they know and love acting as somebody completely different with these different words and different actions that are maybe repulsive. Yeah. And, and for us that aren't actors, that's sometimes difficult and confusing to see the person that you love and the, the way you know them as somebody else on a screen. And you're like, oh, like. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's weird being on this side of it too when you know somebody in the business. Yeah, I, I, on The Good Doctor, I played a guy that was sexually harassing a nurse, you know, and like, it was never, it was TV, it was network television, so it didn't get that far, that bad. Yeah. But it's still not anything I would practice. And again, being a dad and being a, you know, to a daughter, it's, 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 it's sad to see these things that go on out there, but then you find a way again to, to find those and create those challenges as an actor within your craft. And it's, uh, it's fun to push it and know, okay, it's not, it's telling somebody's story and maybe it's bringing awareness mm -hmm. for some people to look out for something Like you don't want to be like that guy. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Um, so the fact that your wife, Rosalind Sanchez, who is also an actress, is in the industry does it do you guys have these discussions about a role prior to that and is it actually easier for you because she'll understand maybe the conflictions that you're having or your dilemma heading into a project yeah definitely like for the ted bundy one we talked at length about that because i was having a lot of issues internally about if i wanted to go in for this or not so we talked it out um and in general we you know we'll, most things are on the table but we'll talk about things as well 
where like, let's say she has a role and it involves, it involves a lot of nudity or something. And I'd be like, are you sure you want to do that? I mean, I'm not crazy about you doing it, but also you have kids and you're a mom now. And are you comfortable, like you said, with them seeing this or knowing that that footage is going to be out there? Yeah. That's something you're okay doing. And I think at a, at a point in her life, she might've been like, no problem. And yeah. now it, it gives it a second thought of going, okay, do I need to show so much? I have a voice. I don't have to do what I'm not comfortable doing. Yeah. Make a conversation that can be had. So yeah. we, we try and talk those things out for sure. That's got to be helpful having somebody that understands that side of it. Um, cause those are, those are real life decisions. Um, yeah. Being married to an actress is absolutely crazy cause we're it's <laughs> We're nutty people in that regard, but there is the helpful side of the person understanding what you do for a living. Yeah. And it's totally different than if I'm just married to some, I'm just throwing out there a school teacher and I'm out shooting and I'm making out with all these women on a show and she has to know that I'm doing that. And it's just acting. Yeah. And it's not anything. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Everything's cool, but because she can be in that position and she's doing those things too, there's an understanding of like, I know exactly what's happening on set. I know exactly what it feels like. I can relate. It's all good. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome, dude. Thanks for that insight. That's um, I'm fascinated by that world. Just, I, I admire and respect you guys so much for you honoring the craft and the, the work and the intent that goes into, that's why I wanted to ask these questions because there's so much more that goes into the, the project than what we just see come across on the screen and actually yeah. diving into the actor's story behind why they wanted to portray this um, character is actually really fascinating for me. So thank you for sharing some light on that. Um, sure. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with more from Mr. Eric Winter right after this. Back from break, this is Hellman Think. My name is Brooks Like, and we have Mr. Eric Winter with us. And during break, we discovered our excellent, amazing producer, Tori, was wondering why Eric's audio was a little muffled. I guess little... it sounded bad the whole time, right? <laughs> How wonderful does he sound right now? Just say something, brother. Just give us a how howdy. Anything. My first time on How Men Think, and I sounded like the whole time. <laughs> At but... least we corrected it halfway through. But you could, yeah. <laughs> You guys listening can't see this, but Eric has this gorgeous, glorious beard, and he had AirPods in, and his AirPods were kind of like in scratching. His, scratching into his beard a little bit. And because this thing is so glorious, it dampens all the sound. Um, this is the it, problem. I'm not a. I, I'm not usually a beard guy, especially not this thick of a beard guy. This is a. This is new territory for me. So I'm not I'm figuring it out. You should be a beard guy. Cause it looks incredible on you, dude. Thanks, man. I'm trying. Listen, I'm trying to catch up to your beard. I want to get there. I got to hear about that story. Cause that's uh, like three talk, times the length of mine. <laughs> let's talk about yours first. You're traditionally not a beard guy. You're usually a clean shaven guy. I'm always a scruff guy. Okay. I don't like to clean shave. I like to have something, some facial hair. Um, but usually at this point I've gotten already irritated and I'm like, ah, it's tickling my lips or it's bugging me here. And I've, I've given up and I've shaved it. Or also with acting, you know, it's, it's specific to a degree on who, how I look. So a certain role might come up and it'll say clean, you know, whatever, certain lawyer. And I might think, okay, I got to shave for this, this audition or this role. Yeah. Like on my current show, um, I, I should be completely clean shaven because I'm a cop. Uh, we cheat it a little bit because it's TV cop. So I have a little bit of stubble, yeah. but I could never rock a beard like this because as an LAPD officer, you can't have a beard. Yeah. Uh, 
man, I played for a team one time, my first 12 years in the NHL, we could do whatever we want with our facial hair did not matter. So that's one thing I loved about hockey is I never had to shave. My dad, he was a principal. He shaved every single day of his life. And I was just like, I, I just don't think I can ever shave every day of my life. I prefer not to shave. So I played 12 years one way, could do whatever I wanted with my facial hair. All of a sudden, got traded. And the very next day, I had to cut my hair because we weren't allowed any hair showing outside of our hockey helmet. And I had to shave. They're like clean shaven. And the New York Yankees are like this, or they, at least they used to be. I don't know if they still are. You had to be clean shaven. So I hated it. When I played in Toronto, I hated the fact that our management made us cut our hair a certain way and be clean shaven every single day. And not an NHL thing, strictly management. That was strictly that organization saying you had to do that. Strictly and only that organization. It was the only one in the NHL that governed what players can do with their hair and face. Wow. And it pissed me off. I hated it. Yeah, I hated that, it. that sucks, especially when it's like it's your expression and what you're doing and how you feel. And, you know, even sometimes it might make you feel just different as a player when you go out there, mentality, whatever, you know? Big time, dude. If you see me, like if, if, if you see me now with this four month patch of, of Idaho brush on my face, um, if I'm lining up to you, lining up next to you on the ice, maybe you're a newer guy in the league or something and I'm looking at you like this and I got stern eyes and I'm leaning into you, breathing on you, talking in your ear, trying to like tell you I'm going to rip your head off or something. Yeah. It's different when you've got <laughs> facial hair on. Totally. I just have this beautifully shaved face like you, yeah, yeah you can't convey the same message you can try but when a guy lines up and he's got a badass beard you just immediately think this guy's tougher you just yeah <laughs> makes perfect sense wow i never so, thought about that though yeah i so right now is the longest in my life that i've ever had my beard my beard is probably if i would pull a hair out it's probably like two to three inches yeah um Probably what, three inches. What's your goal? You're going to go through full quarantine until you shave or what, what's your, what's your plan? I have no idea. To be honest, I just like two months ago, I kind of got lazy and just didn't shave it. And then I'm like, well, it's actually pretty long. I wonder like, I'll just let it go and see how long it gets. And then we got into quarantine. And now I'm like, it really doesn't matter now. And so then it hit a point where it was the longest I've ever had it in my life. So I just kind of let it go. Um, and last week we did a poll on our how men think Instagram and 81% of our listeners voted that I should shave it. <laughs> so apparently it's not that visually appealing, but producer Tori and producer Danielle are on my side. They say, don't shave it. Big fan. No, I say, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Big fan. Tori, do you like facial hair on a man? I do. I will say, I think I prefer Eric's length right now than maybe Brooks. But that doesn't mean I'm against all facial hair. I just think that if I'm looking at you two, I think the length of Eric's is good. But I think it just shows like manliness on both ends. So I like it. I'm like, that's a strong man right there. I have no chance in this. this is a, he's a model. <laughs> How much, you're comparing me against a professional model and actor. Tori, I have no chance in this fight. Hey, you guys are both equally good looking, unbiased opinion. And I genuinely <laughs> do think your, your beards look great. I will say this. So Eric, yours is, how long would you say yours is? Like maybe. I stopped, I stopped shaving when we wrap. Oh, how long is it? Yeah. Inch, maybe. Inch. Okay. Yeah. Three quarters of an inch. And how um, long is it taking you to grow it? I, I'm a slow grower when it comes to facial hair. This is like, uh, 
I wrapped March 6th. So since March 6th. Okay. To now. So a few months. Yeah. Um, does your wife like it? Uh, she loves it. She likes it a lot. It's actually been shockingly pretty well received. I've had, you know, as I post things on social media for whatever people are like the beard, the beard, I love the beard. And yeah. my agents were actually like, you got to keep the beard. You got to keep the beard. And I was like, I, well, I don't know how long, but I'll keep it for a little while. I think it looks outstanding, dude. And you, you, cause there's some guys who grow beards. There's an art to like manicuring beards. I should do like a YouTube video on this too, because there's guys that just grow it and they let everything go. Um, and then it just kind of looks scraggly and it doesn't. And I'm it, getting to that point. So I want to hear your art. Cause I don't. Well, like cleaning up the cheeks a little bit. Like, yeah. so, cause you'll get scraggly hairs up, up higher on the cheeks, but cleaning up a nice line of the cheeks underneath the neck. So it's not just growth everywhere under the neck. There's certain areas, there's a line that you clean up under the neck. And then also what I do with mine is on the sides of the, the mustache to, to, so that the mustache doesn't just blend right into the yeah. whole cheek okay. beard side. I shave a little bit just on the side of the mustache just to like give a little shape. So it comes down on the cheek line, shave in here a little bit. And then the key one is under the lip, under your bottom lip on the sides, shaving a little patch on both sides just to give some space and a little more definition. And I learned that one when I got a shave in Paris. I was at this awesome hotel, Hotel Creon in Paris. Um, and I forgot, I went to Europe for like a couple of weeks and I forgot my buzzer. My like, my hair, my face. Uh, I'm like, how did I forget that anyway? So I went down to the lobby and I got this lady in this lobby, this beautiful hotel. It's a Rosewood hotel, really amazing hotel. And she gave me the best shave of my life. And she taught me so much about this, about shaping and grooming a man's beard so that there's a, uh, you convey this like, this maturity and this poise and this strength through the beard. And so I can't, I can't remember what her name was, but I, I thank her for so much of that knowledge. Do you use like the oils and all that kind of stuff? I did. I, I didn't bring it with me to my lake house, but I used to, yeah, because I get really scraggly and really, and then it looks bad and it also feels bad. So I do use a beard oil. Um, it softens it and makes it feel better. And then also your beard just doesn't go out to the side. Yeah. So that's what happens. Like you get these scragglers that grow out. Do you clip those or are you supposed oh. to just keep brushing those down? No. So I brush them down and then also on the sides. So when your beard starts to grow out horizontally, I'll take a buzzer and I'll trim the side down, especially up by the jawbone, like the cheekbone, um, close by the ears. I'll trim that down and I'll trim it and guide it so that it becomes longer down at the chin. So under the chin, I'm not trimming, but on the sides of the face, so it doesn't just sprout out, yeah, yeah. I'll trim those down and keep those kind of tighter so it makes your face kind of longer and, and points the beard downward versus pointing the beard straight out to the side. Yeah, straight out screams like lumberjack to me. It feels yeah. like we're going a different direction, like the whole rounded, that like, you know. Dude, uh, two days ago, this is a true story, two days ago, my uncle was out here helping me do some yard work out of my lake house. And it was hot as hell. I had my shirt off, just pants on, boots on. I had my shirt off. I had work gloves on. And I um, face was just messed up. We were moving. We probably moved like 10, 15,000 pounds of rock. Just, wow. just a mess. And um, face was muddy and dirty, sweaty. And I had to grab a, a sledgehammer to break up some rock. And he goes, wait, this is too, this is too good. Because shirtless dude, sweaty, muddy face, big beard, just a mess. 
gloves on, sledgehammer over the shoulder. <laughs> he just was taking these pictures. He's like, I'm holding these as like ransom against you. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that is so freaking stereotypical. Don't ever let that see the light of day. Um, but he goes, he goes, at least you didn't pose this shot, brother. <laughs> and I was like, true. this is real truth. That um, is funny. Yeah. But I like having a beard, man. I think you should keep yours. I'm enjoying it. Now I'm going to try some of these tips probably uh, this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to try and shape up the sides. I'm going to see what I can get into without screwing it up. I, don't, I, I know somebody that did start trying to do that and they screwed it up and took off like half the beard and then you're done. Buddy, I've done that. I have done that before. So I don't like how I look when I don't have a beard, like clean shaven. I really don't like that look. I'll be like you, like I'll, I'll shave down to like just a light scruff, which Tori, you said you like. Um, but one time I think I was like, I think I had a date or something and I was like, oh, I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to clean up, make a nice little shape here. And I just accidentally went zoom, and I'm like, oh God, no. Oh dear. I got to shave my face because I can't go like this. It's <laughs> over at that. <laughs> Confidence out the window. Months you know? of work put in, just yeah. gone. Yeah. Just slide of the hand. Yeah, it I, happened. I have a question. Um, boys, this is going to get maybe a little personal, but how do you feel when a female has more um, like unshaved parts versus being more natural? Do you, if you get what I'm saying? If she, well, so if, you know, more if a girl's more natural down there, let's say, yeah, or yeah, yeah. like hairy legs or like kind of just like goes more natural. I mean, like, let's she be honest, trim it up specifically like down there. If a lady doesn't really trim it up, how do you feel? Or do you, I also hear opposite where guys don't like it when a girl's completely clean down there. Cause they feel like it's kind of like, she's too young feeling almost, mm -hmm. but what's the feedback on that? <laughs> What an interesting question. Yeah. You want to answer first? <laughs> oh, I'm letting you go with that, bro. <laughs> Look, I am all for good uh, grooming down below. Yeah. I think it's uh, better for the overall experience. I think it's better all, overall visually. I think groom it up. Look clean. Um, I don't, I'm not saying it has to be squeaky clean like nothing. Nice little landing strip. It's great. Um, but I think, uh, you go, <laughs> I think letting shit get all crazy and wild, you know, fro eat is not, it's too much. I, I, so I just echo all of what he said there. And um, it also shouldn't be growing like down to the thighs from there. And it, you know, no, it shouldn't be braided. Not in today's age. Um, <laughs> um I am, I will say also though, I'm, I'm totally up for freedom of expression. I was in a yoga class the other day in it. Well, not the other day. I've been in Idaho for six weeks or something, but I was in a yoga class a couple months ago and this lady in there had hairy armpits and whatever. And I'm just like, I didn't, I did not care. It's, I hadn't seen that. I think that was the first time that I've really fully seen that in public. You see it in like photos or something on the internet. But um, I think that was the first time I'd really been, she was like five feet away from me. Um, and so I am fully on board with freedom of expression. It's her body. She can do whatever she wants and it makes no difference to me, but it, it was just the first time that I had kind of seen that. Um, well, and, and I would agree with you on that front as well. I think people should feel, feel as comfortable as they want to feel and look how they want to look. It just wouldn't be my cup of tea. If, if I'm like, we're playing deal breaker and some girl came up and she's like, she's smoking hot, but she's just got like armpit hair blasting out. I'm out. I don't think I can get into it. Yeah. I really I, don't think I could. 
we we had this saying in hockey um look good feel good play good <laughs> and so i would play much better if she had no hair under her armpits yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tori what about what about you for a man like okay facial hair so you like kind of some facial hair and and like semi-groomed facial hair but like what about the rest of a man's body like a hairy back or hairy arms or hairy leg like Ooh. or other or not grooming his, his parts. What about not grooming his parts mm-hmm. a little bit? I do like some semi kept up groomed parts. I don't I don't need it like kind of you guys said squeaky clean, but I do like it to feel like I'm not getting into yeah. the weeds of things when I'm down there. Yeah. Um but I will say I would prefer a hairy man versus the awkward shaved man. And I don't mean when it's like clean, but when you start feeling a little bit of the bristles come back or the awkward grow out period, I would rather you just be natural than have that awkward stubble where you're like against their chest. And you're like, why do I feel like these are my shaved legs that I haven't shaved in like a couple days? Like, (laughs) I don't like that. Um, Question for both of you. Do you think personal grooming has kind of gone out the window during this quarantine time? Tori, one hundred percent. Listen, there is no one I have to hold me accountable. So, uh, I, yeah, I think that'd be a big part of it, right? Like, I, I think it's gone out a little bit, but then, yeah, I've still got to maintain enough in my household. Yeah, I mean, you're with you're quarantined with your wife and kids. Yeah, yeah, I get it, but I, I think in general, um, a lot of people have kind of like. Some people, some people I've talked to have really liked this phase where they can try, like you said, Eric, you can try also just because your career not, not acting right now affords you the opportunity to try growing a beard where maybe for professional reasons you couldn't. So a lot of people right now are experimenting with different things. People are dyeing the hair, different color, um, trying all these different things that maybe they couldn't before, which I, I like. Um, the one thing that I hate about right now about having not had a haircut in two months one, my hair looks awful, but two, my eyebrows are so freaking, my eyebrows go grow so fast. And Jill Buck is my hairstylist in LA. Jill, I miss you so much because Jill always trims up my eyebrows. And it's like, I can't even, I'm like, can't even see right now. So I'm going to get some scissors out and like cut my eyebrows because they just go so grow so freaking. Fast. I am with you on the haircut part too. I miss not getting a haircut regularly because that's, I like having tight sides and being cleaned up and I, oh, my hair is so thick that it just becomes blah. Mine too. And there's, for me, dude, there is something so therapeutic about getting a haircut. It's like my favorite 30 minutes of the month. Yeah. Like when Jill cuts my hair, I'm just like, oh, I'm just like, it's the most relaxing therapeutic 30 minutes. I absolutely love it. I understand like why, why women go to the hair salon thousand times this is actually a great transition because amy danielle um and i all wrote up questions to ask you guys oh let's have it and so one of them was the least favorite thing about this whole self-quarantine thing happening um which i'm just gonna label that as your guys's lack of haircuts and then we're gonna go what's your favorite part of actually being stuck at home these are rapid fire so keep responses quick because we got a few more to get through go ahead eric Favorite part, about- uh, favorite part about being home has probably been just the down, I mean, the family time, the down, down family time, just hanging out and everybody being together. 
Mine, that's awesome, dude. I love it. Um, I love that you have a wife and a, a boy and a girl. I think that's just so, I'm not a father, but I can't wait to be there one day. So um, I think it's just so cool. That's got to be just so much fun. Um, mine is uh, spending time outside. Like I've been outside just pouring, uh, Tori, we've talked about this on the podcast. I'm up at Lake House um, and I've just been pouring love, literally pouring love into my property and shaping it and sculpting it. Um, for generations for to host family <clears throat> to host family and friends and people out here at this magical spot that means so much to me i want to be able to share that and have them feel an emotion of love and beauty and nature when they come to the lake house that's awesome 15 years together from two different countries and very different points of view about, well, pretty much everything. Todo, todito. I'm Eric Winter. And I'm Rosalyn Sanchez. Bringing you He Said, Ella Dijo. We talk about so many things and yeah, most of the time we don't agree, but hey, we make it work. Join us and be a part of this crazy and beautiful adventure called Life. Van a sonreír, van a pensar y a lo mejor hasta llorar de la risa. Listen to He Said, Ella Dijo on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love you, Eric. Love you, Roz. Best pickup line a girl can say to a guy. Oh, wow. Oh, Eric, you get more of those than I do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> you know, here's one that I always loved. Um, I don't know if it's a girl can say to a guy, but it was, it was, a, it was a pickup line that at least, at least made me laugh. Um, can I at least get a wrong number? <laughs> It's kind of, it's just like, kind of like, Hey, can I at least get a wrong number? It's, it just kind of breaks the, breaks yeah, the that's good. Oh, I'm going to struggle with this one. I don't know. Uh, best. I mean, just in general, uh, not, I don't have a funny one. I would just say I've had girls say, Hey, can I, can I buy you a drink? And I think to me that always feels like, wow, that's so I'm, I'm almost taken aback and shocked at first. Like you want to buy me a drink? Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll hang out with you and have a drink. And it just, yeah. we start chatting. I see that. Um, there's another good one. Um, I've never seen a, um, I've never had it happen to me, but I've seen guys do it. Um, so like, say Eric and I are at a bar together, Tori. Um, say I would walk over to you and I'd be like, hi, um, my name is Brooks. And do you see my friend over there? The guy with ruggedly handsome guy over there with the beard there blue shirt. Well, he wants to know if you think I'm attractive. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And so it kind of, it's kind of just a little spin on what they think. Cause usually probably girls, somebody will approach a girl and have them try and set them up with, or have the guy try and set them up with a friend. But I like, like that. I like to flip on the wingman. Yeah. The wingman at the distance and do your own. <laughs> That's so, great. Let's spin it a little bit also and ask for the girls out there who are on Instagram more so than not ready to slide into a man's DMS. Oh, what's the way to not to stand out, but not be overly aggressive. Um, wow. So here's one, here's one that, that I kind of, that that's like, I don't know if I'm misinterpreting it, but let me just say it. Um, sometimes I'll get this 
because I, I read all my DMs because I, I try and respond to as many people and help people in as many ways as possible. Um, a lot of people reach out with health or fitness questions or just anything like that. I try and help my community in as much as I possibly can. So I read through all of that stuff. Um, and that's what, that's honestly the intent behind it. But sometimes you get stuff like that. And one that I seem to get, that's a sly, I actually kind of have respect for it is like, I love your pup. I have a lab too, or whatever. I'd love to have a play date. You know, that's good. A relatable topic, something to bring it in. Yeah, they're kind of just like linking the dogs together, but saying it's a play date for the dogs, but is it a play date for us kind of thing? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm married. Um, yeah. I, but so that's maybe just me misinterpreting it as a come on. Maybe they are just like, hey, you have an awesome dog. I want my dog to meet your dog. Um, maybe that's it, but I don't know. That's a That's a subtle, sly way that maybe I'm just like, interpreting that way for my own vanity no you're know. getting hit on that's right <laughs> yeah, Eric, yeah what about you no i i actually would would agree with that i like the straight up just someone being honest and trying to relate to a per you know a, an interest that you both may share but then right after it definitely sent a hot picture out so we can get a good look <laughs> <laughs> this tori and I don't... i'll send one back if, if, if we're into each other well that's good yeah. tori i have no idea this is the least subtle way but I have no idea why this happens. Like, I don't know, I don't want to say a lot, but this happens. You just get a message that just says, hi, daddy. And, <laughs> and it's got like the tongue or something. And you're like, what the hell? What the hell yeah. am I gonna do that? Like, I, no, delete. Uh, it's not a question. I can't, I can't serve your mission in some way. I don't know what you're doing here, but delete. Hi, daddy. Do you guys secretly kind of like to be called daddy? No, oh, no, I know. I have a buddy. I have a buddy that loves it. Like really, just, just loves it. He just loves it. Uh, he just everything like that. He loves, but um, no, not it's not my thing. And then the daddy talk either. All right, next question. Hold on, hold on, Tori. Can I ask you a question? For sure. How how would you subtly, but with like a hint of intent, slide into a man's DMs? So I slid into someone's DMs for the first time ever. Yes. I'm bored. <laughs> Let's hear it. Can you tell the whole story? I don't even know how I stumbled upon his uh, Insta, but he plays football and I'm Christian. And so he, and he's like very open about his faith. And so I just said, Hey, like super cool. Like this photo, um, like would love to hear like your testimony. Cause my dad found his relationship with the Lord in the NFL. Like would love to hear how like that happened to you. Never heard back. He hasn't seen it, but I also like, but I don't know how to slide into DMs. I've never done it. I'm like, do I nope. unsend it if he hasn't seen it? But isn't that the hard thing when on Instagram? Because you could follow someone. If they don't follow you, then your DM goes to like a separate box. Yeah. So unless they regularly check that other box, you don't know what's being written ever, right? So if you do, if you read all of yours, Brooks, you actually go and you put it into like general or primary, like you shift it over, right? You accept yeah, it. Yeah, but you go into that other one and then from there, I'll put it into primary or general. Yeah, you accept it. And then, yeah. then they allow the dialogue. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. You so never know I if he's checking follow? it. Should I follow him? Oh, yeah. It won't, he won't, you'll still be in that other box though, unless he follows you, then it will automatically move you into primary. That's you should follow him. Me in primary is just the epitome of my dating life. Like that should just be my life title. Like stuck in primary. We're <laughs> <Or> general. <laughs> okay. The last person you have texted. 
Uh, where's my phone? I don't even know where my phone is. Yeah, last person I texted was my cast. Let me yeah, my, my, mine was my cast because we're doing a home, we're doing a home con like these comic con things. We're doing one that's at home virtually this weekend. Cool, super cool. Um, Tori, mine was to you and Danielle about this show. I said, hey, I'm on the call. Can we jump on? Um, but previous to that, my buddy Corey Tran. Um, it's like a brother to me. Uh, Corey was planning a, on coming up to the lake house here uh, to rock and roll for a few days. So we were texting about that. No, 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 no good ones. We have no juice for you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, if you had to give up one thing for nine weeks, what would it be? Sex or working out? <laughs> Work, working out. I, mean, I, I love working out. I love working out, but I love sex far more. Oh, I mean, that's a really tough one for me, truthfully. Like, not to just be an idiot dude and just say, yeah, I love sex. So, yeah, I'd give up working out. Like, <laughs> working out is, like, very important to me. But I'm also, I've been up at the lake house for, I don't know, five, six weeks. So I've given up sex, you know. But if, oh, man, I'm trying to put myself, if, if both are readily available. So, like, say I'm at home um, and you can work out or... And we're talking, let's make it even harder. No sex, no masturbation, no nothing, yeah. nothing. I was and then working out would mean, I guess, not even like picking rocks up in the backyard. Like no uh, exercise. I was gonna say, have you guys seen the show Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? No, I haven't seen I've I've passed through it, but I haven't seen it yet. So Tori, you've seen it, right? Yeah. So it's it's no sex, no kissing, no, no sexual touching. Um you know, no masturbation, all that kind of thing. And they're supposed to try and do it for 30 days. So um, po posed with those two, if you went with those kind of um, restrictions, Eric, I'd probably go, I'd, I'd have to give up the working out. You give up working out, yeah. Yeah. But Being married, what is the longest time you've ever gone without having sex? Don't know. Hmm. Maybe like a few weeks a couple, couple weeks we were probably in a fight part of it probably <laughs> um yeah i don't know hmm. well also if you're out of town so i've been out of town for at least three weeks before so then it's been even longer than that yeah if you're going with that i mean i remember there was times of like not seeing um my wife for like five weeks you know, just with when I was playing hockey and stuff, there was times where, cause I was playing in a different city that she was living. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of like almost, I mean, that's just a different question for our careers a little bit, Yeah. you know, you know? what else you got T that was the last one. Sorry. Can we ask you a question? Of course. Will you publicly state this gentleman's name? that you DM'd and, <laughs> and how can Eric and I put our full weight behind making this connection happen? Well, geez, if we're going to do that, then I got to pick somebody good. I actually, I'm trying to like, I don't remember his name. Have you then, have you since then sort of, well, I guess your, your message to him was kind of unique, but have you since then just copy and pasted that message? <laughs> copy. 
this verbiage sounds good. I'm just going to roll this out to a hundred dudes and see what we end up with here. No, because I really don't slide into people's DMs, but lately I've been like feeling a little lonely and probably a little horny. And so I'm like, sl- I slid in this guy's DM and then it didn't work out. So I'm like, well, is this the best tactic? So, but what would you do right now in quarantine? So he responds and he's like, I'm into this. Do you say, how long have you been away from, have you tested yourself? Bring your coronavirus ass over here and let's hook up. What do you do? Virtual date. I've always kind of liked a little bit of a rebel. So if he's willing to break some laws and rules and government regulations, kind of hot. <laughs> so, you, so you'd invite him in, you do that full like gloves and mask and you guys would start the date that way until you feel comfortable that he's got no, would you temperature check? Man, yeah, I guess we'd have to quarantine for 14 days. But yet, like, you couldn't really do anything in that 14 days. This is tough. You know, I'm going to unsend this DM. You're right, Eric. <laughs> no, don't, don't you dare ever unsend that DM. I mean, you could do the virtual date, which I've seen people doing. They're having, like, the Zoom cocktail hour and talking. But then if you've also been feeling horny, what if it escalates rather quickly? I mean, are you Listen, guys like... I wait longer than 14 days to do that. But so I, if I don't mind a little messing around. So 14 days of Zoom. Sorry, God bless you. <laughs> 14 days of Zoom, and then what happens? Are you guys like topless on the next Zoom? <laughs> are, you sh- are you guys playing strip poker on the next Zoom? What happens? Eric, he's not even responding, all right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you there. We're trying to prep you for that moment. This is what we do. We prep, Tori. We prep for the moment so that when the moment arrives, you arrive with it. I will try DMing a few more people. If I hear back, then I will come to you guys and ask for advice. Can we be on that first Zoom? Absolutely. For five minutes. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Absolutely. You can just weed them out for me, my bigger brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Eric and I will moderate these Zoom calls. Um, uh, Tori, I, ha- I find it hard to believe that you have now, just for the first time ever, slid into a DM. I've never. I mean, I've done like my friends, but... Mm-mm. Um, so here's a question for you, truthful question. And for our listeners, for everybody listening, why is there such a stereotype in this stigma behind that? It's a negative thing to slide into somebody's DMS. It's, it's saying hi and making contact with a stranger, which at some point, everybody is a stranger, right? If you meet like you and Rosalind, Eric, were strangers until you met in real life, you met in real life. Tori is meeting somebody digitally. Why is that any or perceived to be of lesser value or shady or whatever than meeting somebody in real life when you're still both strangers and this is just the first contact. I mean, my, my guess is the reason it gets a bad rap is that people typically associate it with you slid into a DM of somebody who's in a relationship, but you would never know. Really? Right? Like I've, I've, I've never associated that. That's the first time I've heard that. I, it's the only reason I would think that it would be associated with any kind of negative thing. Cause I agree with you. Like whether what's the difference of reaching out versus saying hi on the street. And I don't, I don't know you or approaching saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'd like to, you know, chat, whatever, you know, Oh, I'm in a relationship. But I think people often say, Hey, slid into my DM and knowing that that person was in a relationship and they tried to slide it. I get you. Okay. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Tori. I think it's also most of the time guys are like commenting on like the bathing suit pick or like girls are like the shirtless guy. So it's more like thirst trappy than being like, I actually want to like pursue a conversation with you. <laughs> Hold on. Another term that I've never heard thirst trappy. I've never heard that either. Well, Tell it's thirst more. trap. 
but I added a P. Uh, so why? I've never heard of thirst trap. So any, so are you saying that like, so say I, say I was to post my sledgehammer with no shirt and a rugged beard photo. That's thirst trappy. Yeah. You know that, um, the guy puts the, his hand behind the head and then like turns his torso a little yeah. bit in the mirror. And then it's like that ab pick in the mirror. Like that's a thirst trap. You're not just posting that to be like, Hey, so happy. Like mother's like happy mother's day. It's like, he's literally posting a picture so that girls want to slide in his DMS and then he can get his hookup. Eric, I want to say thank you so much, dude, for coming on. Um, one, I want you back. You're welcome back anytime. Um, we'll give all the other guys boots cause you were fantastic. <laughs> I always have to do all the talking and the legwork cause Gavin's never prepared. We don't even give him the show notes. He has no concept of what we're doing. So, uh, you're happy to, to take his chair. I'm just kidding, Gav. I love you, buddy, and I miss you, and Ryan and Rick and Dimitri, too. Um, you were awesome, Eric. For people, um, you're also a podcast host for our listeners. That's why you're yeah. this. So for our listeners, where can people find your podcast? Our podcast is also with iHeart uh, Radio, and it's called He Said, Ella Dijo. It's He Said, She Said, uh, the, the Spanish flip. Uh, basically, about my, it's with my wife, Rosalind, and I. And we tackle everything from our complete opposite perspective on life. I mean, we couldn't be more polar opposites with everything. We often, I mean, this sounds like a big toot of the horn, but it's not. But we, people actually say, you guys are like uh, the Ricky and Lucy in a way, but like opposite. Yeah. She's the, the Latin Lucy and I'm more like <laughs> Ricky in the serious sense. And uh, we just talk about life and family and work and, you know, relevant topics, everything through our opposite lenses. It's a lot of fun. I, I appreciate that. I, I think... Um different points of views are very powerful within a relationship. They challenge you and make you grow and make you look at things outside of the way you see the world. Yeah. But it also, it takes a strong person to be in that relationship because the person, your opposite, your partner, isn't just always agreeing with you. Yes. That's one of the things. And we find that, I mean, we disagree on a lot. I mean, obviously not everything because we can make it, we make it work, but we, we have enough in common with our humor and laughter about the way we handle everything um that keeps it strong keeps it fun but when you talk to us about it you know all these other things and being such type a personalities both of us yeah. you really see it come out in the podcast the way we riff on each other and it's it's just organic it's who we are so it's, you it's must, fun yeah you must somewhat work i mean if you're in a partnership obviously you you work together in life real well um but also you guys work together in career if you're doing this podcast and also you did a children's book right you did a children's yeah. book Rosalind? We, we wrote a children's book together called sabella in the land of cha-cha-cha which was uh based on our daughter and it was a, a dance book because there's no there aren't kids books out there that aren't just ballet this is about latin rhythm so it was incorporating ballroom dancing into it oh, cool man um so we did that we've uh produced movies together and and uh, we actually came on, on on my show recently the rookie and so we've we've partnered up a lot recently it's been Amazing. a lot of fun yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a lot of fun to be able to do that. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great, and I really appreciate you having me on, man. This is a fun podcast, and you guys, you, you've been you've been awesome. This is it's good chat. We'll have you back for sure. Um, where can people find you? Where do you hang out the most on social media? Where can people that want to get more of your story and also tune in to what you're working on, the series that you're on? Where can people find you the most? Um, Instagram at eb winter, Twitter at eric winter one, and then of course at he said ayo the podcast. Yeah, buddy. Okay, my man. Thank you so much for joining us, dude. Appreciate it. Keep going with that beard. I'm here for you if you have any questions. Um, keep going with that beard. It looks fantastic. And I wish you and your family 
the best of health and best wishes moving forward. And we'll see you back here on this show, my man. All right, brother. Thank you. You're the same. Thank you. To our listeners, take everybody, take care out there. Be safe. Until next week, take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of How Men Think.